Hello, everybody. Thank you, Paul. Um, <laughs> hello from uh, sunny Shepshed. Rather windy Shepshed today, actually, but uh, but never mind. Okay, so, oh gosh, it's all a bit kind of different and I'm a bit nervous this morning. Um, I'm going to try and be brave and use a PowerPoint, which is quite ambitious for me, seeing as though I can never get the buttons right on Zoom at the best of times, but uh, we'll, we'll see how things go. Hopefully it'll work out. Um, yeah, so I'm not unaware this morning that the topic I'm speaking on is a massive topic, as Paul said. I'm going to be talking and just looking a little bit at um, the Gospel of the Kingdom. And yes, this is something that if I wanted to take a whole series on, we probably still wouldn't cover all there is to say. But I just, I've really felt just in, in recent months, just God really um, challenging me with some, some ideas and some themes around this that I think are quite prophetic. And I, I just, I know that it's something that I just really want to share with, with everybody this morning. Um, and as I'm doing that, what I really want to also do is just weave into that some of the um, some of the things that we're seeing happening out in the world right now, and 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 what our part is actually in in bringing the gospel of the kingdom to our world as it currently is right now, and the issues that we're that we're seeing. Um, so anyway, so without further ado, let's have a go with this PowerPoint. Can I share? Yes, I can. I think I can share my screen. Let's see if we can get this to work. It should be there somewhere. Yep, I can see it. Are you with me? Right then, so I have no idea if you can still see me, but if not, you'll just have to put up with my voice instead. <laughs> we'll go to the beginning. Right then, there we go. Can everyone see the PowerPoint? Is that working? Yes, hopefully. Okay, so yeah, so battled really madly with a topic for this because, as I say, it's such an enormous um, theme. Um, so what we've ended up with at the moment is that I'm really going to be looking this morning at the gospel of the kingdom, but through what I'm going to call a wide-angled lens. So I'm hoping to just really challenge what our view is of the gospel of the kingdom and help us to just see it, hopefully in quite a fresh, new and, and actually almost quite a simple way. So I've got three key questions that I'm hoping to go through. Number one, what is the gospel of the kingdom? Number two, are there signs that the restoration of the kingdom is happening now? I think we can probably say yes before we even start on that one, but we'll go over that when we get there. And then number three, what part do we play? So quite simple. Hopefully I'll be able to sort of stay on point. Okay, so I want to start by reading an awesome bit of scripture that I read recently in the, the Passion Translation and I think this really just struck me. I'd never really seen this scripture in this light before, but you know, when you read a new translation, suddenly it somehow kind of comes to life. And, and that's what happened. And I think that this scripture just really encapsulates everything that we're learning at the moment in our Jacob's Ladder series. So it's 1 Colossians. You don't have to turn to it if you don't want, because obviously, as I say, it's in the Passion. It's 1 Colossians and it's from verse 26. So just listen to this. It's amazing. It says, there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. 
It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me, to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? Fantastic. I mean, to me, that basically says that our commission is to be bringers of the gospel of the kingdom. And we contain the gospel within us. We're flooded with his glory. We're like heavenly treasure chests filled with hope. And that Christ that lives in us brings an awakening of truth to those around us. And his power is flowing through us. So as I was saying, I've been thinking a lot lately about what actually is the gospel of the kingdom? What is this good news? If we contain the gospel of the kingdom, if it flows out from us, it really helps if we can just grab an understanding of, of what that means to us personally and what that looks like in our own lives. So I think most of us are familiar with the idea that um, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom really is the rule and the reign of Jesus. It's about a new king taking his throne. It's about the fact that King Jesus has conquered the powers of death, the powers of darkness, and now reigns through his resurrection, through coming to life again, he's taken all authority. And the kingdom coming is a process. And, and I really believe, and we know this, that God is now restoring his world back to how he originally attend, intended it to be before um, sin entered the picture and, and in some ways kind of messed things up. And I think what we tend to do in our kind of cultural context is we tend to have quite a, a strong focus on personal salvation. And it's not kind of surprising that we do this, that we kind of look at it being about our relationship with God, because we, we live in a very individualistic society, a very individualistic culture and a very consumerist culture. And I think that within that, we tend to almost have this assumption that, um, that people kind of only want to hear what we've got to say. If they've got kind of like a, a what's in it for me attitude and they're only going to listen to what we've got to say if they can see the personal benefit from them. And we do kind of come at the gospel and we come at, we come at kind of sharing our faith with people very much from that angle of saying, well, you know, if, if you become a Christian, then, then you'll experience peace and love and joy and your life will be transformed. And that's absolutely right. Of course, that's what's going to happen. And we've all experienced that. Those of us who know Jesus have experienced him transforming us in a very personal way but I, I really think that if that's all we focus on when we think about being an, a, a conduit of the kingdom I think if that's it then we've kind of missed the wider picture of what God actually wants to do and there's actually a little bit more to it than that and so I'm hoping that I mean the way that the reason I've given it this is the title of, of, of looking at the gospel of the kingdom through a wide angled lens is because I was trying to kind of think how can we kind of get our heads around how God wants to see that God wants us to see this and I was thinking about photography and about cameras and this is on my next slide let's have a look so those of you that are into photography and I'm definitely not but if you're a Chris Brightman out there and you like cameras you'll understand what a wide angled lens is and what it does and um I understand it because I've had many of an occasion where I've stood looking at an amazing view, a beautiful landscape or a skyscape, and I've stood there with my, with my smartphone and I've tried to capture this image and it's never really done it justice. It's like you get this little kind of bit of it and it doesn't capture the full awe and the beauty and the majesty of the view that I'm looking at. But photographers know that if you put a wide angled lens on your camera, it widens your scope of vision and it helps you just like this picture I've got on the screen. It helps you to give 
a wider image and to capture the fullness of what it is you're looking at. And so when I was preparing this morning, I felt God saying to me that as, as you're sharing this, what I want to do is I want to put a wide angled lens on people's vision. Yes, see the personal salvation bit in the middle of my gospel, but see all the other things to either side of it, the full majesty of what it means for my kingdom to be poured out on earth, for my kingdom to come and restore. It's wider and broader than you sometimes let your imagination see. Okay, I forgot to. So I think a really good place to start with this is to go right back to the beginning, because originally God's intention for mankind and for his earth, before sin even entered the picture, I think gives us a real indication of what God wants to do as he restores his kingdom here on earth. So I'm going to take us back to Genesis and we're going to have a little mosey through the story. I think we all know it anyway. We're all familiar, but let's just remind ourselves. So in the beginning, we had God and it, he, he was the word and it was the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They were there and God spoke and he created the world, the heavens, the earth the land, the sea, the animals, the trees, the plants, and it was beautiful. And God looked at it and he thought, that's good. I've done a pretty good job. I like that. It's really good. And then he thought, you know what? I need to have somebody who can look after this creation that I've made and be my hands and feet and my expression on this world to take care of it. And so he made Adam. Oh, there we go. There's Adam. He made mankind. And the intention for mankind was to care for creation and to nurture it and to steward it and to look after it and to work the land. And then God looked at Adam and he thought, you know what? He looks a little bit lonely. I think I need to give him a friend to, to keep him company. And so God made, we all know the story, God made Eve. And Eve was like Adam, but a little bit different. I think we all know how, but she was the same, but she was a little bit different. And in the beginning, all these things worked in perfect harmony perfect relationship and unity between mankind and God, perfect harmony between mankind and creation, and a perfect harmony between Adam and Eve. There was no sin and everything was unity together. And then the story goes, as we know, that Adam and Eve had been told not to eat the fruit from the tree of good and earth, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they disobeyed God and they ate the fruit. And the first thing that happened at that moment is they looked down at themselves and they thought, oh, oh I haven't got any clothes on. <laughs> and they realized they were aware, they became aware of their nakedness. And actually, I, I like to think if I was in that position, kind of pitch yourself there for a minute, I'd look down and probably the first thing I'd notice is that I didn't quite look like Adam. I was a little bit different. And there was an awareness there that there's difference. And there was awareness that actually you're the same as me, but you're a little bit different. And they were uncomfortable with that. And there was you know, this, they felt they needed to cover up. And what happened to the connection between Adam and Eve is it started to be eroded. And then God comes back in and says, well, what have you done? And what do Adam and Eve do? They hide from God. There's shame and there's guilt and there's probably some fear about how God's going to react. And guess what? All of a sudden, that perfect unity between God and mankind is eroded and that connection is broken. And then it kind of gets even worse between Adam and Eve because then God says, well, what's happened? And Adam's response is, well, it was her over there. That person that's a bit like me, but actually a bit different. It's their fault. They made me do it. And there's blame. And that relationship between us and the person that's slightly different from us suddenly becomes even, even more um, 
kind of broken. And then sadly, because of all of this that's happened and, and sin's entered the picture, creation is then also subject to this curse. And Adam and Eve have to leave the garden and the, the, the kind of the legacy of that is now that there is going to be animosity between mankind and creation, that it's by the, the toil and the sweat of their brow that they're going to have to work the land. And that perfect unity between mankind and the created world is then, is then broken. And this was the effect of sin. It's these three key things. We focus very much on our relationship between us and God, but actually there was disharmony. There was a, a disconnection between mankind and mankind, and there was a disconnection between mankind and creation. But God's heart and God's plan and his purpose through Jesus, what Jesus came to do is to restore all things. And this is where I'm kind of going with this, that, that his heart is to reconnect us with God. And we know this through the blood of Jesus that we can now come into right relationship with God. But actually, it doesn't stop there. God's heart is to restore that connection between us and others, between people and unity between people. And God's heart is to restore our connection and our right standing amongst creation and our relationship with his natural, created, beautiful world and our role as stewards who care for it. And these are the things that God wants to restore. So I believe that the gospel of the kingdom is about all of this. It's not just about us and God. It's about us and other people. And it's also about us being restored in our, as our role amongst the rest of creation, stewards of the world. See if I can find my place. Hmm. So, okay, so we've grasped this. This is quite simple. I think this kind of helps to see it. And I know there's more to it, but to me, this makes a lot of sense right now. And I think it just helps to simplify what the kingdom coming kind of is, is looking like. And the question now is, are there signs that the restoration of these three lost connections is happening now? And the answer is an emphatic yes. <laughs> it's exciting. I think when we look across our world, Right now in our very generation, in the times we live in, we can see evidence that the hearts of people who don't even yet know God are being stirred. I think there's a, a massive waking up happening that people are beginning to realize that this disconnection is there. And I think even just in the last couple of years, you'll recognize some of these images. We've seen a massive awakening and there's no coincidence I'm using that word, we've seen a huge awakening of an awareness that for the last couple of centuries, we've been damaging our planet and, and it can't go on like this. An awakening to the climate crisis and people are starting to stand up to this and go, we need to change. This isn't good enough. We can't carry on like this. I think that people are realizing that they're disconnected from the natural world, that we've been exploiting it, but actually this isn't how we should be treating our natural environment. I think that that message has almost come to a new level during lockdown. I think once industry shut down and pollution went down, people started realizing nature was kind of coming back. And there was, there was messages all across the world. People were noticing that nature somehow became more vibrant and the birds were singing louder and the swans were filling the canals in Venice and you know, all sorts of things were happening. And we were all kind of forced to go on lockdown walks because there were no pubs and clubs and cinemas to go and visit so people were connecting again with nature and and almost I believe people are rising up with a yearning that this is how it should be this is what we were made to do we were made 
to take care of our natural world, not to damage it. Huge outcry, it's amazing. And then with the coronavirus and with the lockdown, wow, people are waking up to the fact that they are disconnected from one another in an incredible way. Right across the entire world, we had, I think it started with a, a street of balconies in Italy where people came out on their balconies and clapped for the carers as they went to and from their night shift. And, and that triggered this huge kind of move across the entire world of people clapping for carers and starting to acknowledge those of us in our society who look after us and who, who care for our needs, even down to the supermarket workers, where we're realizing our interconnectedness and our need for one another in what is a very Western individualistic society. I mean, I'm speaking mainly from Western countries' point of view, but a realization that we can't live little isolated bubbles, but we need one another. And of course, we've seen communities coming together to provide for vulnerable people and, and a huge just waking up to our, our need for community. And then hot on the heels of that, we had the, the awful murder of George Floyd in America by the police officers. But what that did is it woke people up to deep-seated um, racial injustice that exists in our society. And to the fact that, you know, you can be white and privileged and not even realise just what it means to live a life where you are inherently discriminated against just because of the colour of your skin. And people are waking up on a new level and starting to rise up and go, you know what, this isn't good enough. We, we can't live like this. All these people are waking up. Now, I think that rings the bell for me. I don't know if it does for you, because I know the word that we had at the beginning of the year as a church was wake up. Do you remember that? And, and actually, I really believe when I look out at what's happening in the world, that that word isn't just for the church. It's for the world. I think the world is waking up. I think there's a revelation happening right now where people are beginning to realize that they're disconnected from one another and they're disconnected from the creation. And I'm, I'm excited because I believe that if people are waking up to these disconnections, guess what's coming next? They're going to start to realize that they're disconnected from God. And actually, I'm, I'm waiting for a revival. I really am. I just think there's going to come a point where people realize that Yes, we do what we can do, but actually we need the power of the cross to put our world right. We're not going to be able to do it without Jesus. And, and that's a waking up that I'm waiting for next. And it's exciting. Okay, so what part do we play in this, in this process of bringing the gospel of the kingdom? And um, yeah, there's a scripture in Mark. Um, it's right at the end, Mark 16, verse 15. And it's where um, it's, it's the last thing, actually, that Jesus says to his followers before he ascends back to heaven. He's been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's come and, as um, Steve was saying this morning, he came and met with, with, with the disciples. And before he goes up to heaven, the very last thing he says is he instructs them to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. And I decided to have a little look back. I looked at quite a few versions of this scripture and then finally got on the internet and found the Greek word. And that Greek word is the word creation. It's all things that have been created. I can't remember what the actual Greek word is, but it's basically all things that have been created. So our calling is to preach the good news of the gospel and to bring that good news to the whole of creation. So that's not just individuals. That is to be bearers of the good news 
to societies on a societal level, but then to the whole world, to the, the trees, the plants, the animals, to be the bearers of Jesus and to be the bearers of the authority of the king to the whole of creation, which is so much broader than I think we often give it credit for. I am, I've taken the liberty of using our logo on my PowerPoint, our new strap line, which we're all sort of starting to remember and become familiar with now. And it's, it's following Jesus, um, forming, forming community, I've got it wrong now, forming communities to transform the world. And uh, it's because I can't see it because there's people in front of it, so I can't quite see what the word says, but it's following, um, forming, transforming. And I actually think this really fits a little bit with what I'm kind of saying now. I think, you know, the following Jesus is about that restoration of that one-on-one -on -one relationship between us as individuals and God. The uh, forming communities is about tackling issues of social injustice and, 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 and bringing kingdom into relationships so that people are reconnected to one another and they're transforming the world. I think with a bit of artistic license, I hope this is okay, Paul, I think we can throw in there the fact that actually we are transforming the, the natural world as well, that our heart is to be people who reconnect mankind to creation in the way that God originally intended it. So it's very much part of kind of our, our, our whole kind of ethos and our whole vision at the moment is, is to kind of bring the gospel in all three of these areas. So I'll take this off now, actually. I don't think I need to screen share from this point if I can get my mouse to work. Oh. Stop sharing a minute. There we go, you can have me back. So what part do we play? What part do we play? I think that um, there is going to be, there's those of us amongst us who have got a real heart to, for the restoration of our connection with creation. And it's something that I think in the past, perhaps as Christians, we've sort of overlooked the importance of this in our role as bringing the kingdom. Um, and I've been challenged by this one. I think when I was a, a teenager deciding what God's call was in my life, I very much put it into the box of, well, to be a call, it has to be about people. It has to be either, I don't know, teaching or nursing or ministry. It's got to be all about people. But actually, if it's about the environment and if it's about caring for animals, well, that's not really a calling, is it? That sounds dreadful thinking about that now. But actually, I've got twin boys, Nathan and Josh. They're 16 now. And for them, ever since they could walk and talk, they have been completely obsessed with anything to do with nature. Um, I don't think there's a single um, David Attenborough documentary that they haven't watched. They are, they're just really into it. And their heart is to work in nature and, and with creation and with, with plants and animals. And um, I felt God really challenging me on this a couple of years ago and saying, this is what I've put inside of them. This is my heart for creation. This is my heart for the natural world. And this is what I've called them to do. This is how I want to use them to bring the kingdom. And it really just broadened my thinking to think, no, this is actually really important. And we mustn't undervalue this as part of our role as people who bring the kingdom. So if it's not on your heart to care for animals or to care for nature or to set up a conservation project, then go ahead and do it. Get on with it. You know, this is you bringing the kingdom to the, to the earth. You know, if you want to join Christian Climate Action, which I think is the, um, it's the Christian element of Extinction Rebellion, pretty radical but if you want to do that get on and do it that'd be amazing you know we can spearhead projects in our community when we were in lockdown one of the things that Pete and I did is we went on Amazon and we bought ourselves some litter pickers and um, we just went around the lanes near where we live we'd been on lots of walks and noticed how much rubbish had just been left and we went and did some litter picking 
And it was really amazing because coming back from one of our litter picks, we bumped into the neighbours and, and they were just really inspired by it. The fact that we'd kind of been out and we cared and we cared about our natural environment. And, and that's all part of our role. It really is. I think that we can lead by example. We can demonstrate to others our original mandate to care for creation and to be good stewards of our environment. I think that one thing that we can do that's massively important right now is we can be bringers of hope because there's a really strong message out there that says that it's too late, planet's screwed, climate change is run away and we can't do anything about it, we're all doomed. And it's a really, really hopeless, horrible message that people are hearing. But actually, do you know what? I, I know that I serve a God who is bigger than climate change and that actually he cares about his creation and he cares about us deeply and he loves us and it is not beyond God to fix the mess that mankind has got themselves into never believe that we're beyond hope because we are not we have an amazing God who can who can do whatever you know he can perform miracles and we need a big miracle maybe we need a big miracle for our environment and I don't pretend to know how that's going to happen but you know what I'm trusting him I'm trusting him that, that he can do whatever it is he needs to do and you know there's an incredible scripture in, uh, in Romans 8, verse 21, kind of onwards from there, a couple of passages. And it basically says that all creation is waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And that scripture says that as we are revealed, that nature that has been subject to this curse will be released from that curse and will come into the fullness and the freedom and the hope and the restoration that we personally experience. And that is my heart and that is what I'm believing for, that as God is revealed through us, as we become bringers of the kingdom, that actually there's a miracle that's gonna happen, that we are going to see the whole of creation released from that curse too and restored to how God originally intended it to be. I think one thing that we've really learned um, in recent weeks is we've, we've talked a lot about learning to minister blessing um, and we've talked about being priests who minister blessing out to the nations, out to people. But actually, do you know what? We can minister blessing to our natural world as well. Nothing wrong with standing there and minister, minister, ministering blessing to, you know, the trees in the woods or, or to the insects that are at the verge of extinction or whatever it is. We can minister that blessing and we can pour that blessing out. And that is a part that God wants us to play. Even if we feel hopeless, we're not because we are ministers. We are priests of the kingdom who can speak blessing out into our world and out into out into creation. So yes, yeah, so if that's your heart, you know, get on with it. It's amazing. It's an amazing way of expressing kingdom. What about restoring our connection with one another? I think this is something that we've been really encouraged with over the last few weeks. And it's really blessed me to hear various people talking on this this topic because I knew I was going to be bringing some of it myself and I don't need to go into much detail because other guys have done it for me so we had Steve about three or four weeks ago now talking about Jacob and Esau and, and talking about how it was through Jacob's um, humility and repentance that that relationship was was reconnected with Esau and then we have Maria the week after that speaking on the power of forgiveness and really just encouraging us that Forgiveness is as powerful as any testimony you can bring because it really just, people just don't get it. It's so counter, counterintuitive to the sinful nature that it makes them go, wow, you know, what? I've never been treated like this. This is incredible. 
Um, and then those two weeks were followed up wonderfully with testimonies from Pete and Anna and Mike, who just really shared very personally about how God's used them in their workplaces to bring forgiveness and to bring humility in situations and, and to, to restore and connect relationships in a really good kingdom way. And I just, I, I think that those three things, repentance, forgiveness, and humility are massively key things. They're like, I see them almost like little, little nuggets of kingdom dynamite that if you lob them into the middle of a relationship, they can blow open people's hearts and they can cause people to really go, wow, you know, what is it? You are different. You are not what I've experienced before. It's like I say, so counterintuitive to our sinful nature that it causes people to just question and to, and to always, almost, almost have open hearts ready to receive Jesus. I know that on perhaps a slightly, slightly bigger scale, I know that there are a number of us in our congregation who feel really, really moved with an urgency at the moment to respond to issues of social injustice and, and, and racial inequality. And I just think that's incredible. I think God's embedded in you a passion in your heart for a subject that is way very much on God's heart too. And it's fantastic and good because actually, you know, you're bubbling up with the gospel of the kingdom. You're bubbling up with this aspect of wanting to reconnect people to people. And so, yeah, do it, get on with it. You know, be that, be that outpouring of the kingdom into a world to, to bring restoration in relationships. God wants us to be active peacemakers people who are anti-racist and stand up and speak out against social injustice he doesn't want us to be silent peacekeepers all this, all a peacekeeper does is they put up and shut up and, and if you're doing that all you're doing is you're maintaining a, a status quo of ungodliness whereas no actually god wants us to be people who actively challenge things that are not right but obviously in a gracious and in a right way and i know we've got to be careful with that but it's just so important that we, that we stand up for these kingdom values. I think for us as a church on a much more corporate and wider scale, God, God's heart is to bring his bride to maturity. And I really strongly believe that part of that maturity is about unity and it's about co coming together and, and flowing together. And I know that this is something that Pete and I are really feeling quite stirred about at the moment, that God's heart is to join different streams and denominations in a really new and powerful way. And I think we've seen in, in recent years how denominations have started to really come together and flow together. But I think that God wants to up that another gear. I really feel that in my spirit. And that's not to mean that we lose our distinctive flavor as, as a stream, as an expression of church. I think that when you look back at, take the Old Testament for an example, that that the people of Israel, it was made up of 12 different tribes, 12 different families. And each one of those families had its own unique identity and its own unique way. And I think that God's heart is for diversity in the body and for each one of us to have our own way of expressing kingdom. But actually his heart is for those streams to come and flow together as one river. So that as we flow out into a hurting and into a broken world, what we're bringing is each stream has got its own strength, its own anointing, its own gifting, and its own take on what kingdom looks like. And I'm excited because I know that this is what's got, what God wants to do. And I, I'm, I'm believing this is going to happen in our generation, in our time, that there'll be streams flowing together as one river. So, yeah, exciting. Watch this space. And then, of course, there are those of us who, and all of us, really, who have a heart 
to see that restoration on an individual level between people and God. And, and, and there are those of us that have a heart to go after the one, to individuals who need to know his love and his grace and his restoration in a really personal way. And we're all called to be fishers of men. And, and all men and women need to know that at the heart of the gospel is that personal relationship that God wants to have with us. It's right there at the heart of the gospel. And, and God loves people deeply and wants, wants them to know him personally. But I really think as we go forward that it's important that we hold these three things almost in tension. The, it's not a competition about what matters to God the most. He doesn't think, well, it's the environment or it's social justice. You know, it actually, no, it's all of these things working together. And, and there may be some of us that are stirred with that heart to connect people. There are others that are stirred with a heart to connect people with creation. And then there are those who are really stirred with a heart to connect individuals. And each one of us is right in what we're doing. But hopefully what we've seen this morning is that each one of those things is on God's heart. And each one of those things is an expression of the gospel of the kingdom and how God wants to use us to pour out to the world. Okay, so where am I up to? So that's it. So that's the wide-angled lens that we're looking at this morning, the gospel through a wide-angled lens. So just to, to sum it up, maybe we'll go back to the PowerPoint. I have got a last slide there. See if I can get it to come back up. There we go. That's it. About three buttons to get there. There we go. Ah, there we go. Right, so this is what we started with. Have we answered it? I think we have. So what is the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is about declaring the rule and the reign of King Jesus, who has come and restored all that was broken at the fall. And although personal salvation is massively at the heart of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom is actually wider than this. And when we look through our wide-angled lens, we see that it also is about ministering into issues of social justice and, and ministering into issues about the environment too. Can we see signs that the kingdom is coming now? Yes, absolutely. God is stirring nations. He's waking them up. The first part of restoration, I believe, is people waking up, having their eyes open to the truth and going, oh my goodness, we need to do something about it. That's the first stage. And actually what they need now is they need to know that the answer is Jesus massively. Okay, and they're disconnected and they're starting to know it. And what part do we play? Well, we carry the good news of the gospel and all these broken connections are on God's agenda, whether that be connecting people with people, people with the environment and creation or people individually with God. It's all on God's heart. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just finish again with reading again this amazing passage from uh, Colossians 1. Let's get rid of the PowerPoint. My laptop's not very quick to respond today. The button. Right, so I'm going to finish again just with reading Colossians 1 verse 26 to 29. And as I read it, just let God stir in you what it is of the kingdom he's put in your heart, because actually you are the outflowing of this. You are the outpouring of it. And just let your faith rise to just believe that it's through you that God wants to bring his kingdom here on earth. Are you ready for it? So it says, there is a divine mystery a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. 
we preach to awaken heart and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It's become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labour with a tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me, to present to every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. Yes, bring it on. Amen. 